Welcome to the Pain Solutions Podcast. Dr. Wayne Fimister is a family physician with a special interest in chronic pain, whose passion is finding solutions for this epidemic problem facing one-third of the adult population. He is a clinical associate professor at the University of British Columbia in Canada and has developed one of the first online medical trigger point injection courses for doctors and nurse practitioners, a technique that is easily learned and implemented into the medical office of any doctor or nurse practitioner treating chronic pain. To get free access to Pain Solutions newsletter, blogs, and to register for his online course, simply register at www.waynefimister.com. On the podcast, Dr. Wayne brings together experts from various segments to share with you how they solve people's pain problems and how you can get this treatment too. And now, here's your host, Dr. Wayne Fimister. Well, hello and welcome everybody to this episode of the podcast show. It's great that you've joined us. My very special guest today is a lady called Rita Bergsma. Rita, welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you. So Rita is a a registered nurse of 42 years. and the latter years, she's taken an interest in chronic pain and the modality of treatment with essential oils. So Rita is studying this subject. And I met her recently at a local Agassiz fair. We were talking about this and I was intrigued that this can be used for chronic pain and invite her on the show to share her knowledge to see if we can learn something new today. So Rita, let's go back in time a little bit. Can you just tell us where you grew up and where did you go to college? I grew up in Maple Ridge, that's in British Columbia in Canada. And I got my nursing diploma from the Royal Columbian Hospital School of Nursing in New Westminster, British Columbia. So what made this you know, interest in essential oils come to be? Well, my job as a registered nurse the last 20 years has been administering IV antibiotics. And when I came across essential oils, I liked the smell, but then I found out that they actually have antimicrobial properties. They're antibacterial, antiviral, and antiseptic, and I was really intrigued with that, and actually a bit skeptical at first, but then I started to learn about these complex chemical constitutions and essential oils, and I went to the computer, and I started to look at PubMed and find out what research was actually on them, and I was amazed to find the number of articles that university hospitals in the UK, the US, and Europe, Asia, and Africa had done, and I was hooked. I had to know more. Okay, so you took a personal interest. And where does this go related to pain? What was some of the research around pain? Well, there's a lot of research around pain. The book that I'm studying right now is written by Jane Buckle, and uh, she's written an entire chapter in her book about pain and inflammation and how essential oils have made a difference The end of the chapter has six pages of references. She has done research on pain management with essential oils. And it's very fascinating. There's so much to learn about what essential oils can do. Okay, so some of our audience won't understand fully what is the role of essential oils. You've mentioned the word inflammation there, something that researchers talk a lot about with chronic pain. But can you explain in simple terms how essential oils helps pain? Aromatherapy, which is the use of essential oils, can be helpful in alleviating chronic pain because they're pharmacologically active components. 
and some enhance the absorption and potency of orthodox pain medications. For instance, Jane Buckle did a research in 2010 and found that cardamom, which is an essential oil, enhances the absorption of, of endomethacin the anti-inflammatory drug. So these components of essential oils are analgesic. So it's hardly surprising that aromatherapy is now part of many pain management programs in the United States, UK, and Australia, and elsewhere. Wow. So it increases the absorption of medications. The essential oils must be soaked into the skin, and then the medication that's inside the body, see in the blood system, and the circulatory system, it just becomes more active in their effects on helping inflammation and pain. Basically, yes, but it's not just absorption through the skin. It's also inhalation because these are volatile chemicals and in room temperature, they will go into a gas form and you can breathe them in and they will absorb into your body through inhalation just as well as they do through absorption through the skin. Wow. So tell me, tell me a few of these essential oils that are specifically analgesic or pain reducing. Black pepper is a topical one, right, on the skin. Clove bud is another topical one. Frankincense can be both inhaled and used topically. Ginger is topically, and in this case, you can even give the ginger an oral in a capsule. Lavender can be used topically and inhaled. Lemongrass can be inhaled or used topically. Then there's sweet merojan, again, inhaled or topically. Myrrh, topically. Peppermint, the menthol, topically or in oral capsules. Rose, topically. Rosemary can be inhaled or topically. And ylang ylang can be inhaled. Wow. You know what's amazing with this list? You know, in recent times, I've actually changed my diet around to eat an anti-inflammatory diet. And it's interesting because in the literature on this subject, you know, and this is what I add to my cooking when I've got my vegetables being steamed, black pepper, cloves are the two that jump out. I love adding rosemary to it as well. Cardamom, I see like four of the, the few there that I'm actually using. And it's interesting because, you know, ginger, I've always known that ginger is very therapeutic. And then lemongrass is one that my colleague used for, I think it was anxiety or in patients with dementia and where they had some essential oil on their skin at their wrist and it calmed them down and it helped their behavior when they were becoming psychotic or just unwell in an anxious state. And that was something he swore by. And it's something I ended up using with some of the patients. So here we go, talking on the show about all these different oils. And they can come not only in oils, but in foods as well. So how, you know, say a patient um, comes in and they want to use one of these, which one would you use? Like, do you have a preference? Well, Lavender is probably one of the easier ones to use because you can put it on the skin and you don't have to dilute it and they can smell it right out of the bottle. That's probably the first one because pain has um, an emotional component to it and an anxiety component to it as well. And lavender can affect that as well by decreasing the anxiety 
especially procedural-wise. There was a study done about giving people patients lavender before they started the peripheral IVs on them. So lavender is probably the first go-to one. And you can certainly buy lavender leaves. I've certainly done that in the past. And I, I know it can be used for sleep and insomnia and having a little bit either on the pillow or next to the bed, just the aroma in the air can actually help sleep because sleep and pain are actually the same area of the brain, the limbic system is activated. So yeah, that's, that's interesting you mentioned that as your first line go-to for simple ease of use. Anything else you want to share based on, you know, you said the lavender, what's, what other phrase do you have there? Sometimes it's going to depend what type of pain you're dealing with. So lavender probably is my first go-to. And then clove bud probably would be another one, just to put it on topically, but you'd probably want to dilute that. You don't, essential oils are so potent. Like you talked about the herbs and the, and the leaves and such, but when essential oils are distilled, they are like 80 times more potent than the plant itself. So you really only need a drop or two to make it effective. So with that, you can dilute that drop or two in a carrier oil and use that as a topical solution to put on for pain. And is that something that the public can do? Yes. And what carrier oil? Well, the most simple carrier oil is the fractionated coconut oil, the kind that's liquid at room temperature. There are many different kinds, but that is the most simple one because it doesn't stain your clothes or your bedding or your pillows if you're going to be spraying that on your pillows when you're trying to get some sleep. And you mentioned that was fractionated coconut oil? Coconut oil comes as a sort of a paste when it's room temperature. When they fractionate it, it comes as a liquid in a bottle and it stays liquid at at room temperature. And where can we buy that? Typically the health food stores will have that. Brain Octane is a fractionated coconut oil. That's a oral kind, but you can use it on your skin as well. So Brain Octane is the name brand that I found at the local health food stores. What about, you know, off the top of your head then, like different types of pain that, that you've used or seen studied? Well, there's the, uh, the chronic pain that Jane Buckle talks about in her book. And um, she talks about the fact that she says that in 2011, an average of 31% of Americans reporting having chronic pain. And the type of things that they chose were the list that I gave you. Right. Um, chronic pain syndrome it's a complex dysfunction and extremely difficult to treat successfully, really. But I think essential oils is never meant to replace the medical system. It's meant to be a complementary portion to it. So Exactly. Yeah, I would echo that. You know, it's not a first-line treatment. It's a complement or a top-up treatment. But, you know, in this day and age with, as you mentioned, the emotional component of pain, which is half the definition of chronic pain, it's something that's not addressed. If you're taking your classic anti-inflammatory medications or gabapentin-type medications or even narcotic medications, and this may be a very suitable, safe alternative to complement to deal with the more emotional side. So and I can see how that would be effective. And at the end of the day, it is about a trial and error experience with patients. And nobody knows if the pills are going to work or the surgeries are going to work until you try it. So it's often necessary to go out and look at other modalities. And this is why you're on here tonight, because people are desperate to look for different options 
in their approach to their chronic pain syndrome or situation. Where can they go to, to get some of these oils? Well, you're going to be able to go to retail stores to buy essential oils. Even Costco sells essential oils. The pharmacies sells essential oils. Your neighborhood home decor boutique will sell essential oils. But I think I want to caution people, if they're wanting essential oils for therapeutic benefits, they need to get a therapeutic grade of essential oils. They have to get something that they can put on their skin. Most aromatherapy essential oils where you buy at a very economical price are just meant to go in a diffuser. They're not even meant to touch the skin. So you have to be very cautious what you're doing with the oils you have. So... I would suggest that they would go online and find essential oils and speak to a company where they can get answers to questions like, where do they source their oils? Can they get a gas chromatography? And uh, they want the tests for the oils. And do they test every batch of oils? You don't want to be getting a, um, an adulterated essential oil to be putting on your skin. You want the pure essential oil, 100% essential oil. Nothing that's got added fragrances or um, hasn't had the testing done to prove that it's a therapeutic level. So there are, there are multi-level companies that sell it. There are other companies that sell essential oils. And you really want to find a place that will share their testing of the essential oils with you. I think that's an excellent point. And, and obviously, you know, going to an aromatherapist is probably the best way to go about this from a clinical perspective. How would you suggest that audience find a aromatherapist? Well, aromatherapists are sort of an unregulated profession at this time, unfortunately. So again, I would suggest that they would perhaps speak to a trusted healthcare professional or a allied health professional, whether it be a chiropractor or a massage therapist or a naturopath, someone like that. To be honest, I don't know that too many general practitioners would know too much about essential oils. So I think they'd have to go outside of that to find. Mm -hmm. And Googling at this point is probably the easiest way to do it. Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, from my perspective, a naturopathic doctor has had some training in this and obviously years of experience. So great um, angle or anybody who has a special interest in this with some qualifications behind them is also a great resource. So thanks for uh, touching base on that important point. So just to wrap this up, is there anything else you would like to share on this subject we haven't touched upon yet? Uh, I don't really think so. Uh, you know, it's a big, wide, new void for us, even though some places have been doing it for 20 years. And have incorporated into the healthcare systems and into their hospitals and their hospices. It's new to a lot of us. Just stay open and don't be as skeptical as I was when I first heard about it. But verify the facts. Find out what you're hearing is really researched. Unfortunately, a lot of the research is practice-based and the research follows oftentimes. So essential oils is in that category in some areas. But if you, if you do a PubMed research, you will find out how much research has actually been done. And that's what I want to encourage people to do is actually do research. Yes, I think that's an excellent, excellent point to leave us tonight. So thank you so much again, Rita. I wish you all the best in getting certification in the subject and learning more and 
helping people in the way you do. So thank you for that. And we'll hope to see you soon. Thank you very much for having me on, Wayne. Look forward to another occasion.